Welcome to Because the Beatles, the podcast about the Beatles, everything about the Beatles 24-8. I'm Erica. And I'm Allison. And before we start, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or stream us on Spotify. And if you're enjoying Because the Beatles, why wouldn't you? Feel free to leave us a preferably five-star review so other Beatle maniacs can find us. And also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll be posting videos, photos, and more from this episode and beyond. And you can also email us at bcthebeatles at gmail.com. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, we have some really big news to start off the episode. We're not going to keep you in suspense. BC the Beatles is now the official podcast of Abbey Road and the River. Yes. Oh, yes, my yes. God. <laughs> Abbey Road on the River is one of the most amazing Beatles festivals that has ever been. Oh, my God, for real. So I'll talk a little bit about it, but I grew up going to Abbey Road on the River. But um, if you're not familiar with it, it's this incredible Beatles festival. It's five days, which is longer than I think anything outside of maybe Beatle Week in Liverpool. Yeah. But it's a five-day festival over Memorial Day weekend, and it's located kind of nearby Um, outside of Louisville, Kentucky. It's got seven stages, 50 bands, and over 250 concerts over the five days. And this year, um, they always have some big-name headliners. So this year, it's Little River Band on Friday, May 22nd. Tommy J, our friend Tommy James. Yay! On Saturday, May 23rd. And a full performance of the Incredible Love album, the soundtrack to The Vegas Show, on Sunday, May 24th. And that's pretty star-studded from what I understand. And also appearing, which I'm really excited about, are The Circle, which will, if you're not familiar with The Circle, we'll talk a little bit about them. And Erica, your past interviewee, Lawrence Juber. Oh my God, I can't. <laughs> you love Lawrence. We all love Lawrence, right? I interviewed him for Rebeat a couple of years ago, and he is such an incredible musician if you don't know who he is he was in the final lineup at wings so 78 to 80 and he was on the back to the egg album and he is this guitar virtuoso in finger picking and he does all of these beatles albums of acoustic beatles songs and he's just so talented i'm like starstruck like i can't talk to him in person she can't i can't she can't she can't talk to him i've like tried to make her and she won't (laughs) she won't talk to lawrence in person it's very (laughs) (laughs) and he's so nice It's so funny. I know. I had a great conversation with him when I did the interview, but I'm like, you're just so fucking talented. I can't talk to you. (laughs) I can't even look at you, Lawrence. Seriously. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, In the Circle was the only American band to be uh, managed by Brian Epstein. They have songs like Turn Down Day and Red River Ball. Say that like five times fast. I love them. I'm really excited that they're going to be there. Yeah, this is, it's such a big deal for what it is. It's obviously such an honor that they wanted to make us their official podcast. But I grew up in Northeast Ohio, and this festival, Eberon River, started in Cleveland in 2002. And I still remember when it was announced it was going to happen. And my best friend and I were so excited. We printed out like, sheets with all the pictures of the bands and like the band's names and we were like oh we got to see this band from chicago and it was such a magical time too in the beatles tribute band world and it was just so much fun i mean i will never i have such great memories of 2002 2003 especially 2004 that was like the golden summer of Abbey road on the river in cleveland and i went with my best friend i got to take some of my paintings that year and show them how cool 
One year we made a video there, like we taped the entire weekend. Yes, on video cassettes. That was, you know, those days. Ooh, we'll have to unearth that. You know, I think it's in my storage unit <laughs> in Ohio, but I definitely have photos. But it was just such an amazing event. Like it was so cool that it happened in our own backyard. And then it moved to Louisville in 2005. And I went down for that one with some friends, and that was glorious. I'm really excited. I haven't been since 2005, so it's been a minute. It's been 15, oh my God, wait, I need a minute. 15 years? No, the math is wrong. Can you check my math? 2020. Holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, great. I feel hella old. Anyway, so, so excited. I was looking over the schedule for this year, getting excited. And there's so many, so many great effing bands and artists I'm so excited about, but I also noticed there were some that I remember seeing, you know, in the years when I used to go religiously, like um, the Blue Meanies, who used to play at BB King's in New York when I worked there. They were so much fun. And then my local band in Northeast Ohio, shout out Hard Day's Night. I used to work with them. That was my first job in the music industry ever, was working with Hard Day's Night. So I'm very excited. I haven't seen them in a very long time. A lot of bands that I've seen like on Instagram and stuff. I'm really looking forward to seeing like Rubber Soul from Brazil. They have a massive like social media following and I don't know, they look kind of hot. So anyway, I'm excited about that. Oh, you know what? I think they were there the one year I went, which was around 2012, I think, when they were in D.C. If you've been to Fest or you've been to any of these other festivals, this is very different because this is like a music fest. So it's much more heavy on a million different bands and musical experiences. You know, there are still some panels and there are some art exhibits and there are things like that, but it's really all about the music here. That is truly what makes it special. Um, And obviously we're going to be there, like, duh, because of that saying, we're really excited to go. We're, you know, putting together plans right now. They're really top secret. We'll be sharing what we can as time gets closer and, you know, hopefully it'll be a really nice eclectic mix, but definitely big things are in store and we're so freaking excited. Like, I cannot even tell you. I'm I like, I cannot wait. I think I had a dream about it last night, actually. Really? So. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Love it. So excited. And if you want to be there with us, we're going to make it easier for you because we have yeah. an exclusive BC The Beatles discount code for all of you to come hang out with us this year, Memorial Day weekend at Abbey Road in the River. Super easy. Just go to AROTR.com, click on tickets, and enter the code ABBY at checkout. A B B E Y. Absolutely. And you'll get $30 off either a two day or three day ultimate ticket to ride pass. And here's what that gets you you get access to the festival concerts and events, over 250 shows, again, on seven or eight stages. What? It's amazing. I know. Like, that's, <laughs> that's insane. I can't even wrap my mind around that much entertainment get access to the VIP tent at the main stage with a restroom. Hey, phone charging, also very important, water refill station. And if you've been to like outdoor events, my thing is, where's there a clean bathroom? What if my phone died? Like, so that answers These all those are questions. all your like music fest anxieties <laughs> taken care of right here. Oh my God, totally. That's, that's why I don't ever really leave my house very like and go outside, even though I live in California. Cause it's like, I don't have conveniences. So this makes it easier. Um, you have free hotel shuttle service. So there are, I think, three or four fest hotels. The main hub hotel is the Radisson, but there are a few other partner hotels. So you get a free hotel shuttle service to and from the festival. This is a big one. Midnight shows, 
at the Radisson Hotel on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Can I tell you, that was one of my favorite fucking things. I think it was 2004. They had, and I'm not sure what the shows will be. I'm sure they're going to be brilliant. But I remember in 2004, they had a midnight show at the, I think it was like the Four Seasons downtown Cleveland. And it was the Chicago band, British Export, who I'm not sure if they're still together or not. They did the Cavern Club years. And it was so much effing fun because it was like they were wearing the Cavern leathers. They were doing like Leave My Kitten Alone, like all that great, like early, early Beatles stuff. It was so much fun. So you definitely want to be there for that. And if you want to take a guest, like a kid or a young person, which we highly encourage the young people to come on out, you get a matching ticket for a kid or a guest under 21. How cool is that? And what other fest that you know of does that? For real. And there's more. There's more on top of that. But that's getting started on this. So again, go to AROTR.com, click tickets, enter the code ABBY, and you'll get $30 off. And you'll get to hang out with us, which is really like the icing on the cake. Do not miss it. It's going to be beautiful weather, perfect weekend, three-day weekends, perfect time All to Beatles. I cannot wait. I'm so excited to hang out, meet people. You know, this is our first time doing Abby Runs the River with the podcast, and we just can't wait. I'm so excited. Let us know if you're going to go, too. We really want to do a meetup or something with yeah. our people. So, you know, let us know so we can plan. Exactly. We have time to make plans. We can, yeah, we'll figure it out. But it's going to be epic. Cannot wait. Yay. Yes. Oh, my God. Well, anyway. Otherwise, Erica, how are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm good. You know, it's that time of year. The holidays are over and it's freezing and there's the constant threat of needless and terrifying war over our heads you know good time yeah of just year. the little little things yeah <laughs> great time of year but looking forward to abbey road on the river makes me really able to just trudge on through this cold dark month and look ahead to bigger and brighter times so what about you i last we left you were in an airport on the way to Italy. I was literally in LAX. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That was a fun recording to do. Um, Obviously back from Italy. It was freaking awesome. I loved it. God, I mean, we were in Florence. We were in Rome. We went to Tuscany. We did some wine tasting. I ate my way through the country. Mm. Um, I wish I were still there. I want to go back. I know you've been so you get it. It's just it's magical. It's incredible. The countryside, the food, the people, just I can't even explain it. It's just so wonderful. And Christmas there was lovely. The lights, the decorations. I had what is possibly the best cannoli I've ever had on Christmas Day. I was in heaven. But yeah, it's good to be back, though. It's good to be back to the routine. And I'm glad that we're starting off the year right with a great episode, a good announcement. And yeah, I think 2020 is going to be a good year. I have a good vibe from it. I do too. Even though my my mood for the year is still the picture from last year, Paul giving the <laughs> double middle fingers on the beach in St. Bart, but that's in a good way. It's in a positive way. Oh my God. And this might segue us into our Beatle banter, but did you see the photos of Paul? He was on the beach. I, th- I don't know if they were in St. Bart's again. I was so disappointed there wasn't a new flip-off photo. I know. I was. I looked at every... I don't usually look at, like, you know, Hello Magazine or whatever, they, the Daily Mail, but this one I looked through every one just to see if he did a reprise of last year's brilliance. But as far as I've found so far, we're just going to have to, you know, keep that light going from last year. I know. For now, anyway. Maybe we'll get a flip-off later. Always hope. Yeah. God. Fingers crossed. Speaking of the rest of the McCartney family... 
came to our attention through Paul, of course, that his oldest daughter, Mary, has a new partnership with a food network that includes recipes and cooking classes, like video cooking classes on their new app, plus a special that just aired called Mary McCartney Serves It Up. I only have cable anymore because I can't stop watching the Food Network. And I love Guy Fieri, and I'm not afraid to admit it, and I don't fucking care. <laughs> Erica, you know the best photo ever made, right? Paul and Guy Fieri. Fuck yeah. Yeah, obvi. <laughs> we'll post it, because it is literally, I love saying to people, like, you've seen the best photo ever, and they're like, oh no. <laughs> Pulling it up and being like, boom, Paul and Guy Fieri. Welcome to Flavor Town, Paul. Mary has a slightly different approach than Guy Fieri. What? Really? Yeah, yeah. She's she's a bit classier and she's vegetarian, obviously. The premise of her show, though, is that Mary cooks a vegetarian meal for one of her famous friends. And I don't know if this is an ongoing show. It seemed like it was the webpage was set up that this was season one, episode one. But so far, they haven't made any noise that there's going to be another one. So in this particular episode, it was Stanley Tucci who she was cooking for. Who's a very Aww, I love him. funny and adorable man in his own right. So the first part is a fairly traditional cooking show. We follow Mary as she shops for ingredients, shows the audience how to cook a variety of different things. But Beatles fans will love it because the whole show is interspersed with her photography, her family memories, and pictures taken by her, pictures taken by Linda, recipes from her family. One of the things that she made was a coleslaw recipe from her Aunt Louise, who was Linda's sister. So we see a picture of Aunt Louise there. And in one of the shopping vignettes, Mary goes by to buy pickles at her favorite pickle place in London. And she tells a story about how Linda was homesick when she first moved to to London. So she went to the store a lot and she petitioned them to stock the American ice cream that she missed so much. Really cute little story. She never mentions who her parents are, but obviously we know the only time Paul is mentioned is when she and Stanley Tucci were sharing a glass of wine. And she said, my dad always taught me you could tell the quality of the glass by the ring it makes. Like when you like hit it? Yeah, like like when you hit it, like listening to it, which I thought was such a cool, like, of course, that's how Paul McCartney thinks about (laughs) something like glassware is the ring it makes when you flick it. I feel like he made that up. He probably did. (laughs) I mean, maybe not. If you know about wine, let us know. Uh, We could probably Google it, but why do that? He was high and he said it. And Mary said it. That sounds about right. Yeah. But it was very cute. It was adorable. That is sweet. For me, I loved it. I'm a vegetarian. She actually makes great stuff. I don't know if you ever tried to follow Linda's recipes, but some of those earlier earlier cookbooks were really hard to make. They're pretty rogue. Anything, Yeah. yeah. But Mary's stuff is... It's easy and it's tasty looking and it's fun. So it's a real good one. God, I remember trying to make, I think it was one of Linda's like pies or something when I was a kid with my mom in Ohio again. Was it the shepherd's pie with the TVP? Because no one could ever find TVP in the 90s. So it was really. What the hell is TVP? It's like the basis of vegetarian meat. Like it's a soy product. You'd buy it in health food store was all like dehydrated and grainy and you had to rehydrate it and then form it into like pieces that sort of look like chicken or whatever. It was the, it's awful. <laughs> like, what I, the hell? I have never been able to use it. Yeah, no. no, this didn't involve that, but I guarantee we did not have that in Ohio in the like early 2000s. Um, no, it was I think it was like an apple pie, but it was oh, so okay. stupid complex. Like it was like I remember there was one ingredient. I want to say it was like 
I want to say it was like a rogue ingredient, like leeks or something. And I don't know why she put leeks in her apple pie, but like, we're like, what the fuck is a leek? Like, you know, we're, we're Ohio people. We're like Hill Williams, which is a step above a hillbilly. I love it. I love it. I can see the conversation. She was saying, well, let's put leeks into this pie. And Paul was saying, sure. And let's have a glass of wine. And by the way, did you know that you can find out the quality (laughs) of the glass by clinking it and listening to the sound? (laughs) High times with Paul and Linda. That's exactly what happened. (laughs) And that's how she wrote all of her cookbooks. Anyway. And one last thing I'm going to mention about that is that Mary sounds so much like Linda. And I never really thought about that because I never heard her speak for an extended period of time. Oh, that's so sweet. I love that. She is like the perfect blending. She's like Linda if she were like a brunette. Yep. I feel like. She looks a lot like her with Paul's eyes. Yeah. God, those McCartney children. I'm so jealous of all their features from their hot parents. I know. (laughs) So, Food Network, on demand, and on the app. Yay. Check it out. And let us know what you think. All right. So today for our feature, we're very I'm very excited. We're very, both very excited to talk about the Ruddles, which God, if you're not familiar, we're going to give you a little primer on the Ruddles, but please, please go check them out. Google, check out the, the film. We're going to talk about that. Check out their music. You'll love it. If you love the Beatles, you will love the Ruddles. So we've literally had this on our list. We have a you know master list of things we'd like to talk about in the podcast. The Ruddles have been on there since day one. And, you know, we were sort of planning to do it someday, but sadly, on December 29th, we lost the great Neil Innes, which I cannot still fathom um, so that sad. he's gone. I know, it's it's very tragic. Um, and so for those of you who maybe he- have heard Neil's name or seen him on Twitter, he's very, very active on Twitter. You know, he was really an unsung hero behind the scenes. So if you're not super familiar with him, don't worry. But he was a great musical comedian. He was a brilliant songwriter. And he was really referred to as the seventh python which you probably have seen him you know that mentioned in headlines of his obituaries and on social media because he was really really part of the monty python family neil i gotta say i think i met him for the first time in maybe 2009 again i used to work at bb king's blues club in times square and he played a show there and i was so excited i brought my rattles dvd and i got him to sign it we got a photo and I know I brought up the photo yesterday at work and I was just like, oh, my God, I'm like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'll post on our Instagram story yeah. or something. But, of course, he's been at many, many fests for Beatles fans. Um, he was there in 2014. He was there a couple of years ago doing Ruddles music, sounding great. He was in such great health. It's that just, was a wonderful concert. He was so full of life. He was, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, he played all the Ruddles songs, and it was so exciting. I think that was the first time I'd gotten to hear them live. Um, I'm sure he played some when he played BBs, but that was so long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so exciting. He was such such a sweet, sweet, lovely man, really. It's such a tragedy. But we're excited that we get to talk about the Ruddles and yeah. in Neil's honor. So Neil's career, he started kind of hanging out with the Pythons, he appeared in their TV series, Do Not Adjust Your Set, and in, of course, Flying Circus. And he later had a really memorable role <laughs> um, in Monty Python, The Holy Grail, as the balladeer that follows Sir Robin and, you know, sort of sings the Sir Robin song. And If you didn't know him before, now you do. 
Now you do. That was him. That's Neil Innes. Um, super cute. I like fell in love with him. I had such a crush on Neil. And when he was in Holy Grail. Um, but before that, he was a songwriter and musician. He founded the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band, which is shortened often to the Bonzo Dog Band. Um, you probably have heard their one hit from 68 called I Am the Urban Spaceman, co-produced by Paul, actually, under an alias. Paul did love a good alias. He really did. Yeah, we should do a show of all Paul's aliases. Oh, that'd be fun. Beatles fans, you guys might know him more because he made a little cam- uh, semi-cameo, I guess, in Magical Mystery Tour. The Bonzo Dog Band played Death Cab for Cutie. Wonder where the band got that name. Mm. Yeah. So they perform the song Death Cab for Cutie. It's sort of like a doo-woppy Elvis-ish track in the club scene in Magical Mystery Tour. And there's some great like outtakey videos on YouTube if you search that, um, where you can see Neil. He's playing piano and he's got a weird like ball cap thing going on i don't know anyway <laughs> swear to god the outtakes from magical mystery tour are so much better than magical mystery tour they really are that's so true especially the fish and chip scene because our friend leslie cavendish Aww. is like front and center in that Love so it. cute anyway but really you know neil his big moment in the sun was his role in the ruddles which was basically a python-esque sort of beatles parody group and a mocky subject of a mockumentary so let's get into it. Who were the Ruddles? Who indeed? It's really hard because I don't know whether to call them a group or like a film or what. We're just going to call them a group. They're all the above, really. It's like the monkeys. It's like I'm going to talk about the TV show or the group. Or blah, blah. And in fact, they're very much like the monkeys because in the movie that we'll get to, they're described as the prefab four. Yes, they are, which is very interesting. Yeah, because the monkeys are often described as that. So and I wonder which came first. I'm not really sure the monkeys being described as that or the Ruddles. So the Ruddles, basically, the Too Long Didn't Read version is they were a parody of the Beatles, but it was done very lovingly and faithfully. You know, it's obvious that they are created by big Beatles fans and also friends of the Beatles themselves, which we'll get into. So the Ruddles came out of a collaboration between Neil Innes and Eric Idle, my favorite Python, by the way. The Ruddles first made their appearance on the British TV show Rutland Weekend Television in 1975. And that also featured Neil as an actor and musician. The first Ruddles sketch featured songs written by Neil that were Beatles pastiches. I had a hard time calling a lot of Ruddles songs parodies because they really, there are some that are very directly Beatles derived, which, you know, we'll get into that too. Um, But these are sort of, they were early ones were pastiches, which means they're basically faithful tributes. And the sketch was so popular that Neil and Eric Idle decided to expand the concept. The Ruddles came stateside via Saturday Night Live. Lorne Michaels, the creator, producer, et cetera, of SNL, got involved and he wanted to expand the idea and make a mockumentary featuring the band and a very boring documentary filmmaker, um, <laughs> which was uh, which was Eric's big kind of petition for this. I love that character. I know. He's very funny. So the I- idea began to take legs. Here's where George Harrison comes in. And George is going to come up a lot in this story. He very much supported the Ruddles. He supported the film. And he loved it. We'll talk later about what the other Beatles thought of the film. Uh, yeah, let's say let's just say that not all of them loved it. Guess who didn't like it? Guess who? Save your guess. Write down your guess, and we'll reveal if you're right in a little bit. How about that? So the movie that was made was "All You Need Is Cash." Great <laughs> Lovely. title. Lovely. Wonderful. So Eric Idle wrote the film. It was released in 1978, and it was modeled after Neil Aspinall's documentary, The Long and Winding Road, which I 
never I've never watched that, but it was repurposed really into the anthology. A lot of the scenes that if you watch All You Need Is Cash and you see, you're like, that looks so familiar. It's most likely because you saw it in the anthology and it was repurposed. Totally. And if you want to watch Neil's documentary, you can find it on YouTube. It's the whole thing's on there. Yeah. So the basic plot of the documentary, as predicted, it traces the story of the Ruddles from beginnings in Liverpool to international fame and their eventual breakup. In many ways, the story follows the Beatles even a little too closely. Um, very, very closely. Very, very closely, yes. So let's meet the Ruddles. So the lineup changed from their initial appearance on Rutland Weekend Television. But because we're going to talk about the film, we'll just go by that lineup. Number one, we got Ron Nasty, who's the John Lennon of the group. He's often referred to as just as Nasty. He's played by Neil Ennis. And he really captures John's sort of essence and his cheekiness. He also sings lead on most Ruddle songs. He's perfect. He gets John's mannerisms and his voice and his facial expressions down so well. Yes, he does. And he's, yeah, Neil obviously did his homework. And another thing that's cool is Neil's actually singing the songs. And not all of the Ruddles sang their own parts. There were a lot of, like, ghost singers, but Neil did sing his, uh, his songs. So, and later in the film... Uh, later in Nasty's life, he meets Chastity, who is the Yoko character, um, who is a Nazi. Liter- <laughs> did you write literally the motherfucking daughter of Hitler? Yep, I did. That's what I wrote. <laughs> I lo- <laughs> it is. Yeah, literally the motherfucking daughter of Hitler. Crazy. Um, which, yeah, is very, very crazy. Um, moving on to the Paul McCartney of the group, who is Dirk McQuickly. And he's played by Eric Idle. And Eric, again, also plays the documentary uh, narrator, the host. And his Linda is named Martini, and she's played by Bianca Jagger. Very fun. Mm-hmm. George Harrison is Stig O'Hara, played by Ricky Fatar. Ricky was already a musician. Um, you might know the name if you are a Beach Boys fan. He toured as a Beach Boys for many years. He was also in a band in the late 60s, early 70s called The Flame, which was produced by Carl Wilson. And he also sang his own songs, played on the Ruddles album and soundtrack also. Eric Idle did not sing his songs, and neither did the Ringo, who we'll get to in a second. But one more Stig fact, very apt, because Stig is also the quiet Ruddle. He never speaks in the film. (laughs) (laughs) Ever. Not one word. But he does have great songs. Yes, he does. I like Stig songs, yeah. And so to round up the lineup, the Ringo star character is Barry Wom. That's short for Barrington Womble. As Ringo shortened his name, so did Barry. And he is portrayed by John Halsey, who doesn't sing his vocals, but I was surprised to learn that because the vocals sound very close to, to John Halsey's voice. And of course, what would it be without the rest of the Beatles cast of characters transformed into the Ruddles family? We have Leppo, the fifth Ruddle, who is Stuart, Leggy Mountbatten, Yikes. i.e. Brian, <laughs> and Sonny Queenie. Brian's mother also gets parodied as Mrs. Iris Mountbatten. Um, <laughs> she's interviewed in this. Eric Manchester, who is supposed to be Derek Taylor, the press agent, played by another Python, Michael Palin, who we all love. Rhonda Klein later. <laughs> he's supposed to be Alan Klein. He's like a thug guy he's played so by I don't know, played by John Belushi. Amazing. Bill Murray the K. I of course Murray the K, played by, let's say it together, Bill, Bill Murray. Murray. <laughs> Um, we have the man, the idiot who uh, turned down the Ruddles, played by Dan Aykroyd. And if you want to hear the real story about the Beatles being turned down, 
by DECA. We did a whole episode about that. Good time to listen to it because this is about the anniversary of that. Yeah, exactly. It was about a year ago that we did that episode. And then we have Mick Jagger and Paul Simon who play themselves. And I think for me, Mick is like one of the highlights of the film. He's so deadpan the way he just talks about the Ruddles. That's kind of the mindfuck aspect of this movie for me. And I'll get to that later because... In my, like, 30-plus years of being a Beatles fan, somehow I never saw this full movie until we were going to do this show. And I don't know how that happened. Um, Let's talk about, first, how you didn't see Yellow Submarine until we did our episode and it was in theaters. I have some big holes in my fandom (laughs) because I spend a lot of time obsessively watching things that I like. I'll tell you how many times I've seen the Get Back Paul McCartney on tour thing that was was a VCR tape when I had it. I've seen that a lot. I probably should have watched that a few less times and watched other things like this. You've seen it now. That's all that matters. Right. Um, and so there are other, you know, stars that make little appearances in the film, like Gilda Radner, um, Al Franken, Ronnie Wood, who's very funny in it. And of course, we have George Harrison, who pops up. <laughs> he plays a TV reporter talking to Eric Manchester, a.k.a. Michael Palin. Hilarious. All right. So... Again, the Ruddle story parallels the Beatles in a lot of ways. So here are just a sampling of events. And I would love to go through one of these days and just go event by event and, you know, list out all the the parodies or the, you know, similarities between the Ruddles and the Beatles. But here's just a few highlights. So the Beatles and the Ruddles, they share a lot of similarities. One of the things is some of the dialogue. There's a dirt quote early on. Remember, he's the Paul and Nasty is the John. So Dirk talks about how he and Nasty will probably just transition into songwriting and start writing songs and selling them to people. And Paul literally said something almost word for word early in the Beatles career. Mm-hmm. Barry, who is the Ringo, wants to be a hairdresser. Ringo did too. Barry wants to be two hairdressers, but uh, Ringo, I think, only wanted to be one. And that's why <laughs> this is funny, because they take real life and they just flip it just a couple of degrees. Yes, exactly. It's so good. Um, you know, the Ruddles play at Sullivan. When Brian, Leggy, comes up, when they talk to Leggy's mother about why her son was attracted to the Ruddles, it was because of their trousers, mm-hmm. quote unquote. They were very um, tight. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to say it. And uh, so they talk also about the bigger than Jesus. Um, they address that in a way where Nasty is quoted as saying the Ruddles are bigger than God. And his apology is like almost word for word to what John said when he apologized. Until the twist at the end. Yes, the twist is that <laughs> he insists that at what he actually said was that the Ruddles were bigger than Rod. Rod Stewart would not be big for a few more years, as, uh, <laughs> as the documentary says. So we all know, maybe we don't know, but you'll know now that Bob Dylan introduced the Beatles to weed. And uh, so in the film, Bob Dylan introduces the Ruddles to tea. <laughs> Which ushers in the Ruddles psychedelic period. And they give an interview where they say, we have had tea and biscuits, which is probably one of the most quoted Ruddles moments. That was another one where they took Paul's speech about LSD and almost word for word did that about tea. So funny. They meet the Maharishi, except in this film, his name is Arthur Sultan. He's like a guy. And he introduces the Ruddles to table tapping. So instead of meditation, it's table tapping, which if you're not familiar with that, it's like... Yeah, like Victorian seance. Yes, activity. exactly. And later, Nasty gives an interview that parallels the interview that John gave after Brian's death, in which he talks about 
the Maharishi saying like, you know, Brian's not really gone and we could talk to him whatever we want, like that kind of thing. And so in the Ruddles world, Leggy, the Brian character, actually just moves to Australia. And Nasty and Dirk give an interview and say that the Sultan told them they could take, keep in touch with Leggy by tapping the table and postcards. It kind of still made me sad. I know, a lot of this. <laughs> well, made somebody else sad too, which we'll get to in a second. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite moments, and I remember the first time I saw the Ruddles, I, li- I, I was crying laughing when this happened. So the parody of Johnny Yoko's bed in, Nasty and Chastity, remember his <laughs> his Nazi wife? Daughter of Hitler. Daughter of <laughs> daughter of motherfucking Hitler. Um, they, instead of having a bed in, they have a bath in where they sit in the shower and one of the reporters says, like like the interview that John and Yoko gave from their bed in Toronto, Nasty and Chastity have a press conference where a reporter asked them, you know, what are you doing, Nasty? And he says, we are getting wet. And they're like just getting doused by the shower head. And I just remember crying like with that line. That's what she said. There it is. There it is. They also parody the famous All You Need Is Love broadcast. That's almost exactly the same. It's very close. Um, And the Ruddles perform their All You Need Is Love, I would say parody. It's called Love Life. And it sounds almost exactly like All You Need Is Love. And of course, they have their movies. The Ruddles have movies. The first one is called A Hard Day's Rut. Second movie is Ouch with with accompanying title track. Great title track. Great. For real. Then comes Tragical History Tour. Very uh, similar to MMT. And they have Yellow Submarine Sandwich, naturally. I don't know that they bring up the final movie, which would be Let It Be in the Beatles world. But in the Rebels world, it's called Let It Rot. They do, but only quickly. They just show the album cover, which is exact. Yes, exactly. And so let's talk about the music because it's all about the music, man. Eh. The songs are fantastic on their own. Like I straight up listen to the Rebels all the time as their own band, as their own entity. And some are very, very obviously patterned after specific Beatles songs. Ouch is obviously Help. Nevertheless, is very much, that's a Stig song that's sung by Ricky Fatar, a lot like Within You, Without You. With a Girl Like You is very much like If I Fell. Piggy in the Middle is I Am the Walrus. Double Back Alley, Penny Lane, Good Times Roll, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, Get Up and Go, Get Back. It's uncanny sometimes, the songs that are meant to sound like Beatles songs. And bringing it back to Neil Innes, too, this is where he really shined. I mean, he had this gift for these pastiche songs, which was out of this world. Uh, Unfortunately, um, Sony noticed. (laughs) And so Neil was sued. And so some of the Ruddles tracks now include a Lennon McCartney credit because they are very, very close to the originals. Um, And 50% of the publishing on those goes to Sony. So... Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. <laughs> well, somehow karma came around full circle on this for, for good old Neil, though, because uh, the same thing happened when Neil ended up suing Noel Gallagher over copyright issues on the Oasis song called Whatever, claiming he borrowed it from his song How Sweet to Be an Idiot. He got songwriting credit on that song as a result. Good. I hope he made some bang from that. So my favorite riddle songs, Living in Hope, which is sung by Barry Wom. The Ringo song, y'all. I love it. Hold My Hand, which is supposed to be like, I want to hold your hand, but it doesn't sound anything like it. Cheese and Onions. And what is this? It found its way into Beetle bootlegs. In the 70s, this started making its way onto Beetle bootleg tapes because before the internet, these things were going around and it sounded so much like a Beatles song, people didn't know. 
Oh my God. Yeah. So wait, Beetle Bootleggers thought the Beatles made a song called Cheese and Onions where they spell cheese and onions in the song. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> you know what though? It sounds so much like a late Beatles John Lennon solo. And if you're not listening to the words that clearly. That's true. You might be like, holy shit, this is an undiscovered John Lennon plastic ono band era song that's true i guess i mean yeah and neil he his voice he can make his voice sound just like john yeah. so i understand that but it's still very funny it's very funny let's be natural it's a great song it's looking good it's probably uh, is it my favorite little song i don't know it's it's a great great track i really enjoyed also goose step mama which they played mm. at the beginning as the like early Cavern Club Beatles in an almost exact reproduction of that original film of the Beatles at the Cavern Club, which is amazing. But again, it's like bringing, you know, Nazi jokes into it, which there it is again. So I thought that was funny. They brought Nazi jokes into the beginning. I don't remember that. The song was called Goose Step Mama and Goose Step yeah. is, is the Nazi march. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just like a dance. Now, goose stepping is when you like when the Nazis marched. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> so they like they I'm like learning the, so much about like Nazis. They like the Hitler humor in this. <laughs> oh my god! Oh wow! I didn't know. I thought it was like okay. I thought it was like a dancing girl, goose step mama. Shit. Well, that's that's great. Foreshadowing that's great. of of chastity. Of chastity. That's exactly. Maybe she's goose step mama. She must be. So, what does the Beatles think of the Rebels? Well. George, we know, he loved it, supported it from the beginning. He even credited, and I thought this was very sweet, he credited the Ruddles with kind of helping him process the whole trauma of the Beatles, like the breakup, and just sort of like come to terms with like what it was, Aww. which I thought was great. It's like, yeah, it was very therapeutic for him. Oh, good job. And he was a Python super fan, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, he funded the movie Life of Brian. He made that thing happen when the original funding fell through, mm -hmm. going on to call it the most expensive cinema ticket ever issued. But he reasoned how else could he see the new Monty Python comedy. Very George. <laughs> very, very George. John and Yoko, keep in mind, Yoko was portrayed as a Nazi. They thought it was hilarious. They loved it. Like, John was like, yes, this is great. This is an amazing film. John and Yoko had such a great sense of humor about themselves that it's unsurprising. Ringo liked it. He said the sadder parts of it made him sad, which makes a lot of sense because, like, again, the Ruddle story very closely parallels the Beatles in a lot of ways. So I could see where, like, you know, the Ruddles break up. Yeah. Uh, the, the lawsuits. There's a joke in there about how the Ruddles sued each other. And then I think it's Barry accidentally sues himself or yeah. Stig accidentally <laughs> sues himself. So I can see how that would make him really sad. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile... Um, Mr. Paul McCartney. Hey, 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 Ding, ding, ding. Did you get it right? <laughs> yeah, did you get it right? <laughs> Check your answers, people. Was it Paul? It's Paul. Paul hated it. Um, and I remember hearing a long, long time ago that the reason he hated it was because he's portrayed so like a cutesy, sort of like nonsensical, whimsical ruddle where when he meets Martini, who's the Linda character, he writes love songs for her and he sort of just like relegates himself to pounding out chords on the piano and going like, dee 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 dee, dee 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 dee, I love you. I love it. Sort of like doing nothing songs that are just sort of like odes to his love for Martini. And I heard that really pissed Paul off. Have a fucking sense of humor. Seriously. Right? Well, thank God Linda had a sense of humor and she apparently really liked the Ruddles. So Paul sort of changed his tune a little bit. 
But, you know, I mean, come on, Paul. It's just, it's fun. Yeah, it's, it's silly. Fun. It's funny. That, of course, maybe he heard John loved it. It was 1978. So he's like, well, I'm going to hate it. That's true. I mean, Eric Idle says in the um, the commentary for the Ruddles on the DVD that he saw Paul after the Ruddles came out. And Paul was, I think he said, he was a little frosty towards him, which nice. is so funny. Paul's such a petty bitch. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a petty bitch. Thank God honestly. for Linda for mellowing that shit out. I know, right? She really was of good balance for Paul. Um, And also, this is very funny to me. He was also very upset because London Town, the album, came out about the same time. And he was very unhappy that the Ruddles came out the same time as London Town. Oh, that's why London Town didn't do so well. It was the Ruddles. (laughs) Oh, yes. It was the Ruddles. That's exactly why. Yes. Paul can blame it on the Ruddles. He should thank the Ruddles. I love you, Paul, but... Tough look there. We, we love Paul, but, you know, we recognize, we see him. He should feel yeah. seen. Yeah, tough look for our guy. Yes, exactly. But <laughs> anyway, overall, the film, other than being an ingenious parody of the Beatles, is really interesting because, again, it was made in 1978. So it's really a snapshot of how the Beatles themselves were perceived at that moment. In fact, towards the end, the question is positive if anyone rem- remembers the Ruddles or who the next Ruddles will be. That's where, um, you know, Gilda Radner comes into the movie. She plays sort of a man on the street that Eric Idle, as the interviewer, stops her and says, who are the Ruddles? Who are the Ruddles? And at first she says, I don't know, I don't know. And then eventually she gives this whole spiel about who they were down to the nitty gritty. But it's very interesting that that's even a question that they thought, you know, people won't remember the Ruddles. Will they remember the Beatles? Well, it was a weird time for the Beatles and for Beatles fandoms. I mean, John was laying extremely low. Paul was kind of in a creative uh, lull, shall we say, in the mid-70s coming off of the, the live tour. And people were starting to really speculate, would there be a reunion? I mean, Lorne Michaels, who had a hand in this, was offering the Beatles money in public to reunite as all four were still alive. It was something people were talking about. But at the same time... Being a Beatles fan at that point was kind of out of favor. I, if you ask people who were, you know, come came of age around this time, you'll hear a lot of them say that they were the only Beatles fan they knew and they were made fun of for it because it was so uncool to be a Beatles fan in the late 70s. It's so interesting. Um, and I think that's one of the great legacies of this film is sort of when you flip it and you see, you know, the Beatles perceived in this light. And I think it's really intriguing that this is you know, obviously two years prior to John's murder, and we get maybe the last undefied portrayal of John and, and John's character in Nasty. I mean, I really, really doubt that if the Ruddles had been made after 1980, Yoko would have been portrayed as a Nazi. I don't think that would have happened. The character's name is actually, is literally Nasty. Like, uh, I Again. think that's... A commentary, you know, on, on John's sort of persona. That is definitely a commentary. And John, I mean, he leaned into that persona. So it's not like it was unknown. It was just after he died. It was just so, it was buried. And we talk about it on our episode where we talk with uh, Jude Kessler about John Lennon's Center or Saint. He himself was flipped into this beacon of peace and love. And prior to his murder, the view of John was much more pragmatic. And I think much more realistic. Absolutely. And likewise, with the Beatles story, we have to remember 1978, way before the internet. And so selecting the events that the Ruddles 
went through, Eric Idle was really selecting the pivotal Beatles moments. So, of course, you know, like Bigger Than Jesus, The Bed In, the All You Mean Is Love broadcast. Like, it is, I'm sure, top of mind. Like, okay, well, they did this, this, and this. And so creating the Ruddles timeline around that, he was sort of picking out what things the Beatles were really thought of at that moment for doing. Yeah, and it's interesting that a lot of those things really still are the mainstays if you think about the great milestones of the Beatles' careers. I mean, not all of them. It stays pretty true, and a lot of that originated around that time. You know, we are so spoiled. We had the luxury of, like, doing a deep dive into literally any aspect of the Beatles' life. But it's pretty impressive how accurate they get, how detailed they get in the film without having, like, Wikipedia to look back on. They had George. They had George. (laughs) So they were able to get, they got the primary source there. Exactly. That's so funny. It's funny that George was so close to the production, and yet still, Stig had nothing to say. Like, that's really commentary. I feel like that was George being a bit bitter, being like, yep, he didn't talk. I didn't get to talk, so Stig doesn't get any lines. But George got to talk in this movie, which is hilarious and ironic. He did, and he was very he's very funny in this movie, yes. in his, like, couple of moments. Amazing wigging glasses. At first, I didn't even realize it was him until he started speaking, and I was like, oh! He looks like a skinny, like, Colonel Sanders. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But Erica, I'm dying to know because this was your first time seeing it. I'm sure this, uh, you know, we'll have listeners who will go see it for the first time after this. So tell me what you thought of the Ruddles. All you need is cash. This was super trippy to me. I think because it was really actually hard to discern what was real and what was not. It was difficult to get a grasp on the story's universe which you would do in most most films, you know, either it's a documentary, it's real life, or there's this whole, you know, created universe that you buy into. This was a really odd melding of both, which was kind of both unsettling and delightful. I mean, the real Paul Simon and the real Mick Jagger talking about the fictional ruddles or real footage of the actual Lord Snowden, followed by an impersonation of Queen Elizabeth meeting the Beatles you know, which is a reenactment of a real event. It's just, it walks this strange line between being a parody and being this kind of straight up reenactment. It's weird. And like, you know, we're talking about before, and this is what the Pythons did in a lot of their stuff is they took real life and just turned it on its head about 25 degrees, you know? And that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of what they did here. You know, you almost get into the sense of real life and then they do something crazy or something totally zany. And it's like, oh yeah, this is like a parody thing. I was surprised at how little like straight up like Monty Python type comedy was actually in there though. It was more the subtle stuff. Like when Barry got married, there was kind of like a, guys in drag instrumental yeah romp. definitely a romp but other than that the comedy was very sharp and very subtle the four actors i felt they got the beatles mannerisms down just as well as any tribute band might especially neil Innes. like he is really the bright star of the the foursome he's amazing and they're not over exaggerating them for the most part either they're playing the beatles pretty straight They are. Yeah, it's not one of those cutesy, like, even though Dirk, the Paul character, is supposed to be this sort of lighthearted, like, sort of flimsy character, and he does exaggerate Paul's, like, lovey-dovey, doe-eyed presence on stage, but he's not going overboard with it. 
which would be so easy to make Paul into a caricature. It's something I'm still trying to get my head around, which is weird because it's it's a parody movie. But, you know, I feel like part of the reason maybe that it seems so real is that the Beatles' actual story is just so crazy fucking insane. Like, yeah. you're parodying something that's already beyond extraordinary and you're doing it with love. So you really are walking this fine line between actually making fun of anything and giving it an honest tribute. Whatever the reason for, I'm so glad they did it. I finally, I'm glad I finally got to see it. It's just so much fun. Yes. I mean, we're so blessed that the Ruddles were a thing. After this, they made another album around the time of the anthology called Archaeology. Um, they made another film called Can't Buy Me Lunch. I'm not a big fan of the latter Ruddles work, um, shall we say. But definitely the film and the albums that came out around this are just treasures. And I think you really hit the nail on the head, Erica. Like, it's a fine line between a reenactment and a parody. You'll never forget it. Like, the first time you see it, you're going to laugh your ass off. And you'll have your favorite Ruddle. Do you have a favorite Ruddle? Oh, Ron Nasty. Oh, really? Not Dirk. Interesting. Absolutely Ron Nasty. He's so good. And I kept thinking while I was watching it, like, there's so many biopics out there. How come nobody else could do this good of a John? Ever. I know. They should have hired Neil for like every John every John, role. Every John role. Uh, well, we love you, Neil. Yes. And we will certainly miss you. We were actually, we had been talking to Neil. Um, I'd been, you know, tweeting with him and emailing with him to try to get him on the podcast and to do an interview with him. And it's very sad that we'll never get to have him on. But I'm very happy we got to do this. He would have been a hoot on this thing. And you know, if you got to see him do the Ruddles songs and, and got to meet him at a fest or something, you know, he's such a dear soul and we will miss him so much. But in his honor, go watch the Ruddles and go listen to the Ruddles. It's on Spotify. Definitely. Cheese and Onions, Undiscovered Beatles song. <laughs> exactly. Go buy a bootleg with Cheese and Onions on it. <laughs> And we end our show as we do every episode with our latest Beatles obsession. Allison, what are you obsessed with this week? All right. Well, a video that resurfaced just today on Instagram that I kind of forgot about is I think from last year or the year before when Paul was on tour in Australia, New Zealand, where he met a Kiwi and he named it Bubblicious. I'm convinced that Paul named this Kiwi Bubblicious. So the, in the video, he's holding the Kiwi. The Kiwi is like struggling. And Paul sort of like coos to it and says, oh, don't worry, we're going to save you. Like, I know, you know, you want to get down. Kind of like he's talking to a cat. Like I saw I talked to my cat. You know, it's a really sweet little short video. But because it was shot in, I believe it was Australia, it might have been New Zealand, it was really timely because of, of course, what's happening right now mm -hmm. in Australia with the brush fires. My roommate, uh, shout out to Prue. Hey, she doesn't hey, listen Prue. to this, but what up, Prue? What? Um, Prue. <laughs> Prue. Um, she, she's from uh, Sydney. And so she was just home visiting her father for the holidays. And she was telling me about the fires and how even in like Metro Sydney, all over the continent, it's like just smoke and the air quality is so bad, even if you're not close to it. So Apparently, the firefighters there, they've raised about a billion dollars for their efforts, which is wonderful oh, because wow. all the firefighters are just volunteer. So that's so great. And so I have been urging people to donate to the animals and to wildlife rescue efforts. And so from Prue, my Australian roommate, she gave me the name of a wonderful 
rescue organization that has actually set up an emergency fund because they're they're so in demand right now and they're trying to work overtime to save koalas and kangaroos and kiwis mm-hmm. and all the animals. And so the organization is called Wires. And if you want to donate to them, please go to wires.org.au. And if you're an American, the exchange rate is great. Your dollars will go very far, even if you donate a little bit. Every little bit helps. So please, please do that just for the animals. Oh, how wonderful. Yeah. Anyway, so on that note, Erica, what's your Beatles obsession? Well, have you seen the new Star Wars? What do you think? No, I don't think you have. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I don't do the Star Wars. You don't do the Star Wars. I don't do the Star War. I do the Star War. And I like the Star War. And... (laughs) I came across an article the other day of all the random cameos in the most recent movie, Rise of Skywalker, and apparently Danny Harrison was a stormtrooper in Rise of Skywalker. Oh my god. So Danny is a massive Star Wars nerd. Yes, he is. Obsessed. And it's something that he and his dad shared. Speaking of George and movie loving, uh, George actually really liked it because he liked the way that the movie used the concept of the force to kind of explain the God concepts and spirituality that he was always trying to get across to people. He felt that it made it seem more accessible to the general public. And I think as he once said, it made his job a little easier. So <laughs> he, they both connected to Star Wars and they connected to each other through Star Wars. And so, you know, Danny has always been really obsessed. He's toured the set multiple times. He was at the premiere of Rogue One. And this time he got to play the small role of Stormtrooper FN0878. Funnily enough, alongside producer Nigel Godrich, who was FN2802. What the hell? They have like fucking like name, like number names? They do. Each Stormtrooper is an individual and unique flower who happens to just get killed really, really easily immediately. So (laughs) there are many of them. How do they, oh God, I have so many questions about the Star War. Like, do they say their names? Like, how do you know which one? Like, if I watched it, could I pick out Danny? Like, would I know which stormtrooper he is by this number name? Not unless you know his body, like, intricately well. Because they're all wearing Mm. face masks. You would have no idea which one he is. Great. Yeah. But he's in it. He's there. Nigel Godrich is there, too, who produced uh, Paul McCartney's Chaos and Creation in the Backyard. Great album. Best album. Well, one of the best albums, yeah. yeah. And incidentally, Danny was only one of many fun cameos in The Rise of Skywalker. Also, Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote Hamilton was in it (laughs) as a bit part. And John Williams, who composed the scores for all the Star Wars films, Harry Potter, and all the movies of all of our collective childhoods, was some random bartender as well. So, oh my God. yeah, if if you've seen Star Amazing. Wars, it, it is. If you've seen Star Wars, look out for Stormtrooper FN0878, Danny Harrison. Yeah, and if you could pick him out, let me know, because uh, I'm not going to watch it, but I'm curious. Even the picture in the article of the two of them, it just showed a picture of two mass Stormtroopers. No idea if that's actually them or just not. Just random ones. <laughs> no idea. Absolutely no idea. What Wasn't it the last Star Wars movie that like Prince William and Prince Harry were stormtroopers or something? There was like a rumor. Like it's always, there's always like famous people hidden among the stormtroopers, I feel like. It's possible because they're totally generic. They are completely covered up like, you know, Daft Punk style. You have no idea who they really are. So you could be anybody. That's amazing. I would just lie and be like, oh, yeah, one of them's Barack Obama. Like, and just pick out, like, random, like, 
big name celebrities that are not really, but you don't know that. Who are you to say that that's not Barack Obama? If you find <laughs> Barack Obama, you have to go to see this movie. Yes, exactly. Well, I'm going to start that rumor. Nice. I like it. Great. Well, for now, <laughs> go see this, this Star War. And uh, thanks for listening to Because the Beatles. And uh, feel free to subscribe to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening right now. Please, please, please give us a rating slash review so other Beatle maniacs can find us. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll be posting photos and more from this episode and beyond. Maybe a picture of Danny Harrison as a stormtrooper, but you'll never we'll know. We'll try. You'll never well. know. <laughs> you can always email us with pictures of Danny Harrison as a stormtrooper, if you find them, at bcthebeatles at gmail.com, too. And don't forget to go to Abbey Road on the River. A-R-O-T-R.com. Get your tickets. Use the code Abby. And we'll see you in May. Yes. I will remind you, but do it before it sells out. Yes. All right. In the meantime, see you next time. All right. Bye. Bye.